Welcome to the All People's Church podcast. We believe in loving God, strengthening families, and developing leaders. We are so excited for you to hear this life-changing message recorded live at one of our worship experiences. Remember to share and subscribe to this podcast and enjoy the message. Let's get into the Word of God this morning. I want to start a brand new series called Money Matters. And in particularly, money matters. I kind of play with the words there, money matters or money matters. But uh, particularly what what I believe the Lord has laid on my heart is how to recession-proof your finances. How to recession-proof your finances. And we have all these negative predictors of gloom and doom, uh, the very people that have created the recession, because recessions just don't happen, they are created. The very people that create the recession are now telling you that the recession is coming. Well, of course, you, you created it, so it makes sense that it's here. And I'm sure that we all realize that you know prices are, are going up, but what concerns me about what they say is that really it causes people to become fearful. It becomes, you know, becomes uh, more stressful when, when they start talking about will people be ha- have enough food or have enough heat. And, and quite frankly, in one of the richest countries in the world, it, that honestly should be unheard of. That that people in this nation should be thinking about food. As a matter of fact, it it almost should be unheard of that we have a food bank and a food hub here at the church every Tuesday night. But but we do and more and more people are coming, which says to me, food is an issue. Heating is an issue. The question becomes, though, does God's laws override the power of the economy? Is God greater than the economy? Is God greater than than what we see on the earth and maybe in our lives? Is God greater? And that's really what I want to talk to you about in this sermon series. And I want to start off, anybody ever rust-proof your car? Anybody ever rust-proof your your undercarriage of your car? You know, it's stinky, it's smelly uh, for a few days. But but you do that so that your car will last longer, so that rust won't get in there, it won't become corroded. And and so we rust-proof our vehicles in in hopes that the salt and and all the elements won't, won't eat into it because it's, you know, our cars are made out of metal and, and mostly metal, I guess, and plastic now, but you know that, that somehow it will not decay. I want you to think of that illustration because that's really what I want to talk about in this idea of recession-proofing your finances is so that what Jesus said about, you know, making sure that our treasures are in heaven so that moth and rust and thieves won't get into it. In other words, that it won't decay that it won't decay. And I believe with all my heart, church, I believe with all my heart that God has the power, the ability, and the desire to recession-proof your finances. Anybody believe that? Anybody believe that? That's really the heart of the Father. That's really the heart of the Father. And here's, here's, here's my upward challenge. Honestly, it's, it's a bit of a challenge for me because, first of all, this is not an easy subject to talk about because everybody has a, a mistrust 
about this subject and probably about spiritual leaders. And unfortunately, you know, we've had so many, so many of our big name leaders that have come out recently talking about, you know, how they were wrong and burn my books and burn my teachings. And, you know, I don't want to be judged by God. And, you know, I took the message of, of the prosperity gospel too, you know, too far. And, and so, you know, destroy everything. And so, you know, my question is, well, if you were wrong then, why are you right now? Why should I listen to you now if I shouldn't have listened to you then? Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, Delroy, I, I, always, I always believe this. I always believe this. If you believe that what you did was wrong, then give the money back. Give it back. I mean, that's what Zacchaeus did, right? Four times said, I'm going to give. As a matter of fact, I'm online. Some of you big names that are out there, you've made millions and millions of dollars. You've profited off the gospel. You ought to do the Zacchaeus thing and give back four times what you've taken. But you see, it, it, it creates a challenge because now people go, oh, you see, Pastor, well, who are you to teach us when, when these big names have said, you know, tithing is not God, this isn't God, finances. And, but, but my friends, listen, no matter to what extreme other teachers have taken the Bible, the Bible is the Bible and it speaks for itself. And if you and I would, if you and I would, would take the time to actually study the Word of God for ourselves. I see. I, I don't care what's behind your name and all the letters and the rest of it. See, see, in my life, God's Word is the authority, not your teaching. Hello. And so we do have people. We have people that have taken it to, to extremes, but that doesn't negate the word of God. That, that doesn't negate the heart of God, that, that God's desire to bless you. And here's my desire. My, my desire, honestly, here is my desire, and this is what I'm praying. And I believe it's possible. My prayer is that nobody within the house and ministry of all people's church would have an issue with finances. Nobody. Not a family, not a single mom, not, not a single person that no Nobody should be under the stress of finances. And it's been said prophetically, I haven't said it, it's been said prophetically of our house that this house would never have a financial issue, that, that there is a financial anointing on the house, which means, church, you are entitled in God to draw on those promises and to receive from the anointing that is just not only on the Word of God, but is also on the house because you're in this atmosphere and you're connected. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Let me make a statement. Here's my personal desire for you. I pray that you would have enough money so that money would not be a problem, but that you wouldn't have so much money that money would be a problem. Can I say it again? I pray that you would have enough money. Corey's choking. I pray that you would have... Heal him, Jesus. I pray that you would have enough money so that money would not be a problem. But I pray that you would have... You wouldn't have so much money that money would be a problem. And somewhere between... Somewhere between, and, and could it be, could it be, church, that, that maybe God knows exactly where we should fall on that spectrum? So that God would maybe be saying, you know, if I give you too much, you can't handle it. Or if I give you too little, then you're going to be under duress. It's interesting in the Old Testament that 
when the children of Israel prospered too much, they forgot God every time. So it says to me, wow, there, there must be a point where it's too much and we forget God because we become self-sufficient. But, but then there were times when the children of Israel were suffering and they were slaves and what have you and, and they struggled so much that they took their eyes off God and their assignment and everything else and, and all they could focus on was money because money was scarce and it was a problem. That's no good either. That's no good either. So somewhere, somewhere, there has to be that, 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 that sweet spot that says, here's where I want to land. Here's where I want to land, that I want to have more than enough so that I can operate in the spirit of generosity. And, and not only that I'm blessed, but that I can be a blessing to others. Come on, somebody. That... That as I'm going about daily life and maybe I, I am prompted of the Lord because I see a need or I'm moved and I want to bless somebody, then, then I have the wherewithal to do that without harming my own family. You know, Thursday night, I, I went to a dinner for, anybody remember the Prime Minister Stephen Harper? I thought he was a phenomenal, I thought one of the best Prime Ministers, certainly in my lifetime, and uh, they were honoring him, Israel was honoring him, and, and giving him a, an award for standing, you know, with Israel at a time when, when the world was really against Israel, and uh, I was at a table and I sat beside a Holocaust survivor who was from Poland and Ukraine. And I mean, the stories, this man was, I, I'm talking, you know, I'm just, I, I'm like, I just kept, I don't know if I was being rude or he didn't want to talk, you know, he, he was seemed to be uh, very open to talk about. I just kept asking him questions. I, I just wanted to know, wanted to understand, uh, you know, all that he had, had gone through in Auschwitz, which Corey's been there, by the way. And, Corey says it is it is a, a very sobering place and and you know you know what he said to me he said you know he said pastor we were one of the fortunate ones and I said oh how are you fortunate as a holocaust survivor and and he said because the Russians had come in and and, and invaded and had pushed back the Germans and and so the Russians kind of kidnapped us from the Germans and then took us into Russia and put us in their camps but at least in their camps we weren't being exterminated can you imagine? That was his that was his idea of we were the fortunate ones. That's how he said that's how we were survived, because the Germans would have exterminated us. But but you know, Corey and I were having this discussion between the service and and here I am, and here we are, like what, seven decades later, seven decades later. The nation of Germany that killed millions of Jewish people and, you know, Hitler wanted to exterminate them. Do you know that seven decades later, Israel has the military capacity to wipe Germany off the earth? Can you imagine if, if someone had prophesied that in World War II in 70 years, these people that you are wanting to exterminate will have enough power to wipe you out. Who would have believed that? See, that's the power of God. That's the power of God. And, and that's God's people. And God says, you're going through this, but I'm, I'm going to prosper you. And, and, and you know, Israel, I think they have the fourth or the fifth strongest army in the world today. That's what God can do. Israel's economy prospering and, and doing well. My, my friends, it says to me that God can bring something out of nothing. 
those promises are, are alive and well. I don't know where you are financially. I want to share some statistics with you. I want to teach a little bit, preach a little bit. It's kind of going to be a mixture. But, but at the end of the day, really what I want you to know is the heart of the Father is to prosper you. The, the heart of the Father, can I just say this way, church, is, is more for you to just be able to pay your bills. Those of you that are just, oh, oh Lord, if I could just pay my bills. Listen, uh, to me, that's falling so far short. At the end of the day, God wants to bless you to the place where you could fulfill your calling. Because calling takes money. Calling takes wealth. It takes resources. And, and God wants to bless you, and he wants to bless you through this season. And I'm encouraged. I, I look back to COVID. And Pastor Moses and I would make phone calls to people. How many people said, Pastor, we're good. You know, we're working from home, but we're working. We're blessed. We're prospering. We're, you know, we, 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 we received promotions. We received better jobs. Listen, some people did better in COVID than before COVID. God is able. God's above COVID. God's above recessions. God is able. Turn to somebody and say, God's able. So why don't you stand with me this morning? I want to read some scripture to you and, and then I want to get into the word of God or story out of the Gospels. But looking to that man Moses who spoke to the children of Israel in Deuteronomy 8.18 and you all know this scripture. He says, and you shall remember the Lord your God. <laughs> you shall remember. For it is God who gives you power to get wealth. Yes. See, you need power to get wealth. And what Moses is saying is you need to remember this. Yes. Because it's easy to forget God when things are going well. And he says, why? Why does Moses tell them this? That he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. In other words, church, listen, it's important for you to prosper because when you prosper, it tells everyone around you that you're in covenant with God. Come on, if you're not prospering, that doesn't speak well of the Lord. And then I want to take you to the New Testament in the third letter of John. Chapter 1 and verse 2, he says, Beloved, I pray, and this is my prayer for you, I pray that you may prosper in a few things. In some things. 90%. No, in all things. Everybody say all things. And be in health. How many know it's a good combination? If you're prospering in all things and you're in health, that's a good combination. I declare prosperity and I declare health over all of you. Now watch what he says, just as your soul, and I'm going to get into that in just a little bit, and I want to go back to the Old Testament for a minute, 1 Chronicles 29, 11, and then you can be seated in 1 Chronicles 29, 11. He says, yours, O God, is the greatness, the power and the glory, the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and earth is yours. You know, if governments would just understand it all belongs to God. You know, you know, you know what I say to all these do-gooder, climate changer, carbon tax collecting people? You know what the Lord says? I'm going to burn it all up. Put that in your hat and smoke it. God said, I'm going to burn it all up. And I'm going to create a brand new earth. Hopefully, we don't have any climate changers here. Anyway, all right. Um, 
Where was I? For yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. Watch this. Both riches and honor come from you. Who do they come from? Come on, who do they come from? He says, both riches and honors come from you, and you reign over all. In your hand is power and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. Father, I declare that you'd make your people great today. I pray that you would give us strength. And I thank you that you give us power to get wealth. Not, not so that we would become greedy and self-sufficient. No, Lord. Not, not that we could just buy bigger things. But that we'd bring glory to your name. And that, Lord, we would fulfill our assignment on the earth. And all God's people said. Come on, all God's people said. Amen. Turn to somebody before you're seated and, and say this. May you prosper and be in health. Tell them that. May you prosper and be in health. Hallelujah. Um, just before I go any further, I think my, my precious, is that my precious little friend? Is Zilda here? Is that you, Zilda? Oh, it's so good. It's so good to see you. Azilda was in um, was in hospital for a little while, but uh, bless God, you're doing better. You're stronger, and you're in the house of God where you belong. And so, we declare health over your body in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, Amen. It is so good to have you here. I feel so much better already. All right, anybody remember? Anybody remember the survey? The survey that we put out a few months ago. I've asked Pastor Moses to speak on this, but we ran that survey so that we could see uh, where people were, you know, spiritually, financially, in their giftings, etc. It's all anonymous. We don't know who said what. And, but today, I want to share some of those statistics with you, particularly when it comes to the area of finances, but before I do that, let me give you some biblical statistics so that you understand that money is a major theme in the Bible. As a matter of fact, 16 out of 38 of Jesus' parables deal with money and possessions. Mm. Nearly 25% of all the words that Jesus used in the New Testament deal with biblical stewardship. One out of every 10 verses in the gospel deal with money, and there are over 2,000 scriptures on tithing in the Bible, money, etc. And listen, that's twice as much as faith and prayer combined. How many know money is important? How many know that God wants us to get it right? How many know that out of the proper context of, of the Bible that money can become a God? Jesus, anybody know what Jesus called it? Mammon. And he said, you can't serve God and mammon. You're going to love one and hate the other. And so this is why I come back to that place of saying, you want to have so much money, but not so much that, that all of a sudden money becomes God. At the end of the day, listen, God wants to bless you with everything and you can have all things. Just make sure that all things don't have you. Huh? And I've really believed, I've really believed this. I've seen it happen in my life. And, you know, I, I know that there are times that, that we go looking for things. Anybody ever go shopping? Anybody ever go shopping? Because you're looking for something? Church, I don't go shopping because I'm looking for something. I go shopping because something's looking for me. 
No, I believe this. I believe that. I go shopping because I believe something is looking for me. And, and, and well, what, 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 what do you mean by that, Pastor? What I mean is that when it arrives, it speaks to me. <laughs> and I'm getting a good deal. Yeah. Uh, in other words, that thing was looking for me. And it comes from my father because my father wants to bless me. And I, you know, back to our message on Thanksgiving. Listen, I don't, I don't care if I buy a coffee. I'm always thanking Father. I take nothing for granted. I assume nothing. I say, Father, this all comes from you, big or small. So here's some of the statistics. Can I, I just want to share some of the statistics. One of the questions was, you know, does all people's church uh, help you to use your gifts, including your finances, in an effective way? 11% of the people that responded said, no, the church doesn't help me. 61% said absolutely, 11% said no, they don't help me, so whoever that 11% was, I'm not angry at you, I'm not looking for you, I want to help you. In the area of giving, 61% of the people said they give 10% or more. 17% said they're working towards giving 10%. 15% said they're casual givers, or in other words, they give as they're able. And then 7% said they don't give at all. Now, now the reality is, this is the reality. Anybody know who Pareto was? Smart guy. He created the 20-80 principle. And the reality is this, 20% in a church our size, about five, 600 people, uh, in a church our size, 20% of the people carry 80% of the load. Which means eight out of 10 people are gaining all the benefits like everybody else, but 20% are carrying the load. Hmm? Sounds like your country. 20% probably pay the majority of the taxes while the freeloaders sit at home eating chips and bonbons. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Called. Oh, Listen, I'm going to warn you right now. Something just got into me this morning. I don't know what it is, right, Keish? And so, just, just, just hang on, hang on. Jay, maybe you should come and sit up here and protect me, my brother, because you're the, you're the biggest guy in the church. All right. He's like, no, I'm not having it today, Pastor. I'm not having. It. I'm not. All right. When it comes to security, security and paying their monthly expenses, 40% of the people said they're never concerned. 45% said they're sometimes concerned. 15% said they are often concerned. That troubles me. As a pastor, if, if you're under that kind of duress and pressure, that troubles me. And I really believe it troubles the heart of the Father. He doesn't want you living that way. When it came to safety, food, and housing, 55% said they never worry. 32% sometimes they worry. And 14% said they worry often. Again, again, my friends, listen to me. Listen to me very carefully. I believe it is the heart of the Father to prosper, therefore, to prosper us. Therefore, if you are struggling perpetually, in finances. In other words, it's just an ongoing, ongoing thing. Somewhere there is a problem. Somewhere there must be disobedience. Somewhere there, there must be something that either you're not doing, you're not following, because God always responds to the principles of his word. In other words, there might be seasons. There might be seasons where, where it might be lean. I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying you are constantly, constantly under pressure. And can I say it this way? If it is, if it is a generational thing, maybe there is a curse that needs to be broken over your family. Maybe there is a DNA issue. And so 
Because I believe that poverty is a curse. I believe that poverty is a curse. God, I know that I know that there are people that that equate poverty to spirituality. That's a lie. And Pastor Moses, maybe we ought to do a podcast on that. I've never bought into that. That you know you need to be poor to be spiritual. I, I believe you can be rich and be spiritual. I believe you can be poor and be a pagan. It's not connected. Now, can money create a problem? Yes, if it if it becomes an idol, if it makes us proud, for sure. But but that that's not what is leading us today. So I got into the Word of God and I said, Lord, I want to help the people. I really want to help the people. I want to bless them, and I'm going to bring it to, to Matthew in just a moment. But I began to look at the Word of God and I said, Okay, God, how do you prosper your people? How do you do this? How do you do this in your word? And, and I found six major ways. I'm sure there's more, but six major ways. Number one, everybody say supernatural. And we love this. We love supernatural when God does things that, that just blow our mind and blow our understanding. You know, things like when, when, when Elijah helped the widow uh, with, with, uh, with her and her son. They were about to die. And, and all of a sudden, he's like, go get all these jars and there's all this oil, you know, started to pour out as she was able to live on it. We love that. We love it when Jesus multiplied, you know, fish and loaves, as we talked about just last week. We, we love when, when God does the supernatural. But my friends, here's the principle I want you to know. Supernatural or not, every blessing that comes from God is here on the earth. It's here on the earth. I know that people look to the sky like, oh, it's going to fall from the sky. Everything that you require to fulfill your life is here on the earth. As a matter of fact, they say you're no more than maybe four or five people away from anything you need on the face of the earth. Somebody knows somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody, which brings me to point number two. If point number one is supernatural, God blesses his people through other people. Yeah. Through relationship, through, through network. We call this favor. We call this kindness. And, and it's not always God's people. Sometimes the unbeliever, God will use the unsaved people. They don't even believe in Jesus. They don't don't know Jesus, but somehow they bless you. God can do that. Can, can, I, can I also say this? Sometimes God can use people that don't even like you to bless you. Huh? Have you ever had anybody say, you know what, I don't know why I'm doing this for you. I don't even like you, but boo. People, relationships. This is why, this is why emotional intelligence is so important. You know, some of the examples where, where Paul talks to the church at Philippi and said, you know, nobody else would partner with me, but you partnered with me. Or in the, in the ministry of Jesus, I'm not quite sure how people think that Jesus lived. I, I don't know if you thought that, you know, uh, you know, like Elijah got ravens delivered to him. You remember Dr. Ryan talking about Uber Eats and all that? And, and I don't know what, what ravens would deliver to the prophet. I wouldn't want that kind of food, to be honest to you, but who knows? You know, maybe if you're hungry, you eat it. I'm not sure. But, but think about, think about the women. The Bible says that the women that had substance and resources, they, they really upheld the ministry of Jesus. It's in the Bible. 
Jesus had to feed himself and 12 hungry individuals. And, and the Bible says a lot of the working women that had resources put into the ministry of Jesus. And that's how he survived for three years. Everybody say people. Um, Nehemiah, who rebuilt the wall in 52 days. The, the heathen king that had taken them captive gave him all the money and the resources to rebuild the wall. Number three, number three, God blesses you through wisdom. The Bible says that wisdom is the right application of knowledge. You see, there's a lot of knowledge in the earth today. There's just not a lot of wisdom. Hmm? There's a lot of money and resources even in our own country, but there certainly doesn't need to, but there doesn't seem to be a lot of wisdom. Like, see, wisdom says you don't spend $54 million on an app if somebody can do it for a million dollars. See, you might have knowledge, but you have no wisdom. And then they come to you and say, well, we need more taxes. Yeah, you need more taxes because you're corrupt and you lack wisdom and, and you don't know how to apply dollars in the right places. My friends, even in the, you know, I was thinking about this, you know, I, I don't know what kind of society you think we're living in, but, but really our society is, is created so that it could collapse at any moment. And we're one of the richest nations on the earth. Think about the 55 to 60 billion dollars that they put into the medical system in Ontario alone every year. And, and what are they telling you? As soon as cold and flu season comes, they, they start to tell you, you know, the system might collapse, the system might collapse. Remember when COVID hit? When COVID hit, they were worried about 500 ICU beds in the entire province. I think to myself, you get $60 billion and you have 500 ICU beds for 15 million people? The system is broken. The system is corrupt. So God says, I'll give you wisdom. Like I gave Daniel wisdom. I, I'll give you wisdom like I gave, I gave Joseph wisdom. And he was able to interpret dreams for pagan kings. And, and my friends, we call that problem solving. And when you solve problems, people are going to bless you. God gives you wisdom. God gives you wisdom on where to spend your own finances. God, God gives you wisdom on how to save and maybe not to purchase this or maybe to invest this. And, and watch this. How many know that God knows? what happens in the stock market. Yes. See, you talk about insider trading, you get with Jesus, you're going to get some inside information. Uh, Jesus and the Lord would tell people where to invest and where not to invest. And so everybody say wisdom. And by the way, church, can I just say this? We, we, we have this idea that, well, you know, you know, pastor, we don't, we don't want to bless the unbeliever. Well, if Daniel and Joseph had taken that approach, they never would have been promoted and God couldn't fulfill his will. That's right. God used Pharaoh to save the nation of Israel. And then when another Pharaoh rose up and enslaved the nation of Israel, then God judged that Pharaoh. God says, at the end of the day, I'm in charge and it all belongs to me. Number four is diligence. Everybody say hard work. This is a foreign concept today. That we should work hard, even for people that don't appreciate it. See, sometimes we have this attitude, well, I'll work as hard as well as you treat me. No, that's not what God says. As a matter of fact, the book of Proverbs is all based upon you and I working hard. You see, we're not part of this economy. We're, we're not part of this kingdom. And so even when our, our natural bosses and supervisors are bad to us, we're supposed to still be good to them. Yes, amen. 
That's what makes a believer of Christ a believer. That the Lord says, you don't, you don't do it as men pleasers, but you do it unto me. I'll, I'll never forget, you know, the age of 19, I was, I was just born again. I'm sweeping the floors at Shoppers Drug Mart at Yorkdale. And, you know, it's, it's like, it's 845. We're about to close the store. And I'm probably, you know, I'm probably sweeping with one eye closed. I'm like, I swear I'll go home, you know. And the Lord speaks to me revolutionized my life. Listen, nothing big, deep, spiritual. What he said to me, sweep this floor like you're sweeping it for me. I said, what? He said, sweep it like it's my floor. How many know that my sweeping changed? <laughs> the, the next day when the managers came in, this is a true story, the managers came in, they, they were all asking questions. Did we get new floor cleaners? What happened to the floor last night? Huh? You know what happened to the floor? Some stock boy heard from God. You know? <laughs> Diligence, hard work. Giving it your all. I had a, one, of our, one of our 9 a.m. people, just as we were leaving the, the second service, she came to me and said, Pastor, I want to tell you a story. She said, you know, all of last year, and she told me the corporation, I won't mention it because we're online, but she said, all of last year I worked so hard, so many hours that I, that I worked for a boss that didn't even like me. I knew he didn't even like me. She says, all of a sudden this year, he calls me into his office, and she's like, uh-oh, you know, he doesn't like me. What does he want? You know, he, he sits her down. He says, you know what? He says, I recognize that you have done such a good job you have gone over and above. You have worked so hard. You know what he said? He said, I am creating a position for you that has never been in the company before. Come on, somebody. He gave her the title, a brief description, and she said, well, well, what do I do? I said, he, you know what he said? You figure it out. Do whatever you want to do. <laughs> You see, because people that are trusted get promoted. People that are trusted get responsibility. But, but my friends, listen, you, you come in, you're going to rip the company off. You're going to have attitude. You're going to have issues. You're going to cause problems. I guarantee you that when recessions and problems come, you'll be the first people gone. And then don't go walk around telling people you're suffering for Jesus. You're not suffering for Jesus. You're suffering because you're lazy. Now I'm preaching. See, then I was teaching, now I'm preaching. Because you allow this world system to tell you you're entitled. You're not entitled to anything. Work hard. Work for the Lord. You know, the man, the boss came up to him and he said, well, you know, how come you're not working? He says, because I didn't see you coming. <laughs> Church, here's the truth in online. It's not that there's not jobs in this country, but we have, caught, we have, we have a government that has taught people that it's better for you to stay home and work for, and not work, basically stay for free while other people pay your bills. You know what Paul taught in the New Testament? He said, if you don't work, you don't eat. But then we have this other attitude that when we arrive at a workplace, we want to be the CEO. I got news for you. You don't arrive and be the CEO. You be the floor sweeper. And then how people watch you grow and, and how they watch you sweep that floor and do the, the, the less than wonderful and glorious jobs. They go, hey, you know what? We noticed something about you. You're different. Come over here. We want to give you a better job. We want to give, give you more money. We want to give you a greater promotion because you're a hard worker. You're trustworthy. Yeah, amen. 
God's people ought to be the best employees in any organization. Any organization. Now you ready? If you ought to be the best employees in any organization, how come we can't get them to do anything here? And that's not just an AP. Everybody say, ouch. I love you. Listen, I love you, but I want to help you. Ever since COVID hit, I hear this from every church, every pastor. Pastor, people just don't want to work. They don't want to serve. They don't, they don't, they don't want to, you know, they don't want to operate in God's house. See, so you want all the benefits without the hard work. And then you ask the question, oh, pastor, pray to bless me because I'm struggling. Maybe you need some hard work. And parents, parents, put this into your children, please. This generation that is so entitled, put that hardworking effort, put that hardworking understanding in their hearts and in their bodies because listen, nobody ever died from working hard. Your God works hard. He tells you to work hard and to do it unto him. Everybody say, Pastor, move on. I have, two, I have two more. Number five is the seed and the harvest. How does God bless us? The Bible says he gives, so, he gives seed to the sower. Not harvest. Not fruit. Seed. Seed. And by the way, church, can I just say this? That before the fall, you know, you're like, oh, the curse, the curse. No, 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 no. Read your Bible. Adam and Eve were working before the fall. But listen, listen, Reggie. They were working, but God, after the curse, God said this to Adam, by the sweat of your brow. Which means when he was working before, my brother, he wasn't sweating. It wasn't hard work. The, the earth wasn't working against him. There wasn't adversity. There wasn't, as a matter of fact, he was expanding the, 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 the Garden of Eden. By the way, I believe, I believe Adam was a genius. Because at one point God said to him, you start naming the animals. And Adam started to name the animals. And, all, and by the way, Adam and Eve both worked. They both expanded the garden. And then all of a sudden, God said, now you're going to work and it's going to cost you. And you're going to get tired and you're going to get exhausted. And the earth is going to work against you. But here's what he said. I'm going to give you seed so that when you plant the seed, you get a harvest. See, the problem with a lot of God's people is they eat the seed. <laughs> well, my belly's empty, Pastor, and so I, I'm going to eat the seed. But, but how many notice, if you're traveling up in the North Brampton area, Caledon, how many know that they are now collecting the harvest yes. that was planted in the spring? Yes. If these farmers didn't plant in the spring, they have no harvest. And it's not that God wanted to curse you because God says, I give you seed. Don't eat your seed. Make sure that you plant your seed so that you get a harvest. So if you're a sower, God's going to give you seed. Yes. Let me get, Pastor, what are you talking about? Let me give you an example. Before that, that company that I mentioned unceremoniously dismissed me, they, the Lord spoke to me, said, this is what's going to happen to you. And he even gave me the time frame in a year and a half. This, this almost the day God gave me, this is the time frame. Here's what's going to happen to you. He said, he said, you need to prepare for that season. You're going to lose your job. You're going to lose your career. So my mind is, we're going to save. God is going to show me where to, where to save, where to invest, on, and my money's going to grow. And so, you know, God says, Sabina, start giving money away. 
I'm like, what? You just said, I'm going to lose my job. He goes, yes, seed. And I remember giving three major seeds. One of them was to your ministry. God says, don't, don't go by the world's ways. Go by my wisdom. And, and you know what happened? When that season arrived as an unemployed person to this day was the best year that I ever had financially. Yes. See, church, can I ask you this question? Could it be that the reason you're struggling in this season is because you failed to plant in previous seasons? See, they're telling you you're going to go into a recession and you go into save mode. I'm telling you go into seed mode. That's God's wisdom. So that when you arrive in that season and everybody else is struggling, you actually have a harvest because you seeded in a time where people didn't even understand that they ought to be seeded. See, this is God's wisdom. The world doesn't work like that. And finally, number six, and then I'm going to bring you to Matthew. Number six is giving throughout the entire Bible. How many understand that God is the greatest giver? He sent his son. He is, listen, listen, God is, is, is good to people that are not good to him. The sun shines on the just and the unjust, the Bible says. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. And, and sometimes God is, is good to people that really don't deserve it. And so whether it's tithing, whether it's giving to the poor, uh, whether, whether it's sacrificial giving, Listen, it, it is the way that God breaks selfishness within our hearts. How many would say that to some element we're all selfish? I want you to go to Matthew. I want to show you a formula. In the book of Matthew, and you can play Corey, that's fine. Corey, you were playing a song, I believe I caught it, and it's, it's a shock to me that I know the title, but I believe you were playing I Am Not Alone. Did I, did I catch that right? Yay, Pastor. All right. Ranji's like, you're such a big boy, Pastor. All right, I got the title. Uh, it's, it's, it's your day, bro. It's your day. Praise Jesus. <laughs> um, Matthew 17, 24. Thank you, sir. He says, when they had come to Capernaum, those who received the temple tax came to Peter and said, does your teacher not pay tax? What's the temple tax? It was money they collected for the upkeep of the temple. This is not the Romans. There's the Jewish people, the priests, the Levites. I, I said to Pastor Moses, put it on the agenda for tomorrow. We're going to talk about the, the APC tax. I'm kidding. <laughs> that's, but that's what it was about. You want to come and worship God? You have a responsibility. You pay the tax. And so somebody saw Jesus and said to Peter, hey, your master, he doesn't, he doesn't pay his taxes. And now I don't know if Peter knew the answer, but because he's perpetuous, he says, yes. <laughs> You're darn right my master pays the taxes. And, and then Peter goes, I better go ask Jesus. And so, um, and so when he had come into the house, Jesus anticipated. So Jesus sees him coming. Yes. I love Jesus. He's just phenomenal. He says, Simon. Now, Peter hasn't asked him, but Peter gave an answer. Like, I don't know what Peter would have done if Jesus said, no, we're not paying taxes. <laughs> well, uh, you know, we got a problem because uh, I said yes. <laughs> Jesus said, what do you think, Simon? From whom do the kings of the earth take customs or taxes from their sons or from their strangers? Peter said to him, from strangers, Jesus said to him, then the sons are free. Oh, church, you ought to just catch that. Delroy, I know you caught it, brother. He said, then the sons are free. 
the sons are free. I don't know about your household, but in my household and in my parents' household, and my parents didn't have a lot of money per se. Although, can I, can I tell you this about my mom? My mom died a millionaire and didn't even know it. My mom died a millionaire and didn't even know it. She probably knows it now. But um, in our household, with our, and I, you know, I don't want to open a can of worms, but we could live at my mom's, my parents' place, honestly, forever, and we never paid for food, we never paid for room and board, we, we, never, we never did anything like that. As a matter of fact, we, uh, we, have a, we had a derogatory, uh, people will call me racist for this, but it's okay, because uh, I'm white, but um, we used to look at the Canadians, so the Canadian people, you know, we would, we would call them, so they, you know, they would call us WAPs, and we would call them Munja Cakes. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Hey, Sabina, we'd call them Cakers. It was our... It was our derogatory term for they were like Wonder Bread, right? And um, and so because people would be like, you know, I pay room and board, and I and I come home and I go, Ma, people pay room and board, and they pay. For, and she's like, what, what are they talking about? See, in my home, we ate what my parents ate. See, my parents didn't eat steak while we ate hot dog. We had steak. If if that's what was going, that's what we would have. And so, that's the way we have brought up our children. And so even my, you know, even my daughter today who lives with us, who by the way, slowly is taking over my house, room at a time. She is just, she takes over the house, she takes over the fridge, she, you know, she, anything she wants. And so, and so I, when I say to her, Emily, that's mine, she says to me, oh, daddy, you made me. And I live here for free. And she understands the concept. She got this verse. Jesus said, the sons are free. Everything my father has belongs. See, if you would just understand that everything that your father has belongs to you, you wouldn't be stressed out. I, I got to get there quickly. I got to get there quickly. Are you playing not alone? I'm not alone. You're not playing I am not alone? I don't hear it. Stretch your head, stretch your head. Ryan Jeeva, is he playing it or not? I can't hear it. Kimberly, you're the only one I can trust. Yes, I hear it. Okay. Um, listen, I'm almost there. I'm almost there. So Jesus says this. You got to catch this. He says, nevertheless, lest we offend them, go to the sea, cast in a hook, take the first fish that comes up, and when you have opened its mouth, you will find a piece of money, take it, and give it to them for you and for me. Here's the formula. Number one, I want you to see something. Remember the fish, the sea, the coin, they're all on the earth. I want you to notice supernatural power. Yes. Yes. It's, what would be the odds? Some of you are mathematicians. What would be the odds of Peter going to the sea and catching a fish and the first fish that he catches as a coin? Just what would be the odds? What would be the odds of, you'd probably have better odds of getting struck by lightning. Or winning the lottery. Not that you should. 
Oh, church, can I just, oh, I, I, everybody buckle up because you see, some of you would rather play the lottery than tithe to God. Supernatural power. Jesus said, Peter, I want you to go. And here's what's going to happen. A fish is going to come and you're going to open its mouth and, and there's going to be just enough money, not only for me, Peter, but for me and for you because we're in this together. Now, Pastor Mo, I don't know where the other 10 guys got their temple tax, but I don't know. This is about Jesus and Peter. It says to me that when you come, the other, maybe the other 11 had, the other 10 had the money, I don't know, but, but Peter came. Everybody say supernatural power. Number two, I want you to see it's natural means. The sea is natural. The, the fish is natural. The coin is natural. There, you know, some of you are like, well, pastor, how did the coin get in there? I don't know. Some of you are like, well, God created the coin in the fish's mouth. I don't believe that. I think it either fell out of somebody's pocket or somebody said, hey, I think I want to make a wish, right? Somehow, I mean, think about, think about how that coin would have got there. But Jesus knew, watch this. And Peter, when you get there, remember I told you, see, sometimes you might be looking for things and sometimes things are looking for you. I think that fish is looking for Peter. I'm coming, Pete. I'm coming, Pete. Which says to me, God's like Aquaman. He can talk to the fish. Go there, Peter. Go, little fishy. Go, 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 go. He's coming. There's the hook. There's the hook. Anybody fish in the room? Anybody ever fish? Anybody ever caught a fish? It is a phenomenal feeling to just, you know, you're just like, wow, you're just, wow, and then it comes up, it's like this. But then you take a picture, you're like, take the zoom, make it look like it's. Okay. You know, you know, I don't know what in the world has gotten into me today. You know, some people, some people could take pictures where they like lose like a quarter of their body mass. Have you ever, have you ever seen that? They got this like, you know, and you're like, hey, where's the rest of you, man? That, huh? Pastor Mo, there's videos. I've seen this. Videos on how you can take pictures to look. Tomorrow, you and I, we start watching these videos. Everybody say natural means. Here's my last one. I'm going to land a plane. Everybody say human ability. Here's what Jesus is saying. Peter, you're good at fishing. This is your trade, Peter. This is your skill. You, you know about fishing. You, I don't have to tell you about the hook. I'm going to command the fish. But I'm going to use natural means. But, but Peter, I'm going to use human ability. I'm, I'm going to use your skill. And Peter, you, you love to fish, don't you? And, and so go do what you love to do. Go do what I've designed you to do because I'm going to bless you at it. Huh? Church, what are you good at? How has God wired you? How has God skilled you? Because some of the abilities and skills that you have that you do naturally, 
we went to a went to a conference on not a conference but a, a, a leadership development on Friday. John Maxwell was speaking by simulcast, and they had said he had said that public speaking is the second phobia right after death. Huh? Right after death is public speaking, but but you see, people ask me all they go, they go, oh, how, how do you do that? How how do you get up every Sunday? How do you get up every week? How do you how do you speak to people all you know all over the world? How do you do that? You know what, church? I don't even think about it. It's not a phobia. I come up here and I open my mouth and words come out. <laughs> God wired me that way. You know, Ranjeev has, he has this beautiful mind. I've been picking on him all day. I love Ranjeev. Ranjeev has this incredible mind. This strategic mind. This systematic mind. Remember they told you that you were going to be dumb? They're so ignorant, those people. They're so ignorant. Let's go find them and punch them out. No! But I thought to myself, how can people say this? But as a matter of fact, I invited Ranjeev to our strategic meeting. I said, Ranjeev, can you run the meeting? So isn't this the truth? I said, can you run the meeting so that I can think? So that as you're running the meeting and I don't have to do both things, then I can think, I can be strategic, I can be visionary, I can be directional. Will, will you just run it because I see a gift in you? I believe I have that gift too, but I actually believe his gift in some ways is even stronger than my gift. And, and so rather than being insecure and don't you know I'm the pastor and I got to do whatever and you just sit there. And, no, I'm like, let's release the gifts so that the whole house can prosper. And we were blessed and we took notes and some of the strategies and, and, and then in, in pure, in pure Ranjeev style, he's like, okay, he's going to be, he's going to be like Jesus. He's like, okay, I'm leaving now. You guys do all the work. That, that's really true. That's a good leader. Natural means human ability. What are you, what are you good at? What are you strong at? What are you skilled at? Because the Lord's going to use that. You're good with people. The Lord's going to use that. You're, you're a public speaker. The Lord's going to use that. You're a problem solver. The Lord's going to use that. Supernatural power. Natural means. Human ability. I want you to stand with me, worship team. And I want to give you a bonus. Everybody say bonus. Friends, you still love me? Yeah. Can you say it louder? Yes. <laughs> wow. Listen to this scripture. At the end of it all, the Lord makes you a promise. Malachi 3.11, we all know what he says. And I will rebuke the devourer, the destroyer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, said the Lord of angel armies. You know, you know what God says? Have you ever, have you ever experienced a season? Pastor Mo, can you take that from me? I'm, I want to pull up my pocket here. You ever experienced a season when, you know, you put money in your pocket and it's like there's a hole in your pocket? You put it in, it goes out. You put it in, it goes out. You put it, you know why? There's a devourer. 
There's a devourer that might be loose. So you know what the Lord says? I'll rebuke the devourer. I'll, I'll rebuke the destroyer so that, you know, some people are like, oh, I got to work hard. I, I, I got to put in more overtime. And the more overtime you, you do, the more they take away from you. You know what the Lord says? I'm going to rebuke the devourer for your, he says, not for my sake, for your sake. Amen. You know what? If you read the context, you know what rebukes the devourer? The tithe. Yes. The tithe rebukes the devourer so that instead of money going in and going out, it actually multiplies and helps you to fulfill your, your call so that you won't be in a strange, stressed position. Yes. Church, God loves you. The Father loves you. The Father wants to prosper you. And if you get, you know, in, in these weeks coming up, you'll get a hold of what we're talking about. Forget recessions and everything else. God has power over that. We're going to sing the song, The Goodness of God. I want you to raise your hands right now. I'm going to bless you, Father. Father, and those watching online, I bless you. I bless you. This is, Father, I have preached this not to get money out of people. I'm not here to manipulate anybody, Lord. I'm not here to become famous or anything like that. But Lord, that rather we're here to get things to people. Namely, the heart of the Father. May you prosper them. May you bless them. And may you cause them to be in health. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for watching. We really appreciate your time. Will you please like and subscribe so that you will get notifications? And by the way, your comments and your feedback are very important to us. Even sermon series and messages that you would like to hear about, please let us know. Drop us a line. We would love to incorporate that into our teaching and our preaching. We appreciate you and thank you.